Blog Talk Radio. Blog Talk Radio. Good morning. Welcome to Morning Moments with Maya. Conversations of love and laughter. The show where each week, your host, healthcare administrator and certified humour professional, Maya Aziz, invites someone who is out there pushing the positive to join her for a heartfelt and often hilarious coffee conversation about love, laughter, leadership and, well, life. Love and laughter might not cure what ails you, but they sure go a long way to getting you through those tough life moments. So sit back, pour yourself a cup, and get ready to laugh and learn today on Morning Moments. Look for the good. It is all around. Good morning. This is your host, Maya Aziz, coming to you from Montreal, where we had our first snow this week. Yep, winter is officially making its entrance And for our American friends on this Thanksgiving weekend, I wanted to wish you all a wonderful holiday, a weekend of full bellies and hopefully full of reminders that there is much more to be grateful for than the latest door-busting sale at Best Buy. Folks, there is one in every office, every factory, every place of work. And no, I am not talking about the latest Keurig machine, but that colleague that we all have, Negative Nelly. You know the one I'm talking about. You walk into the office and say, good morning, and she begins to list the myriad of ways in which her morning did not go the way it was supposed to. And later in your team meeting, every proposal is met with her retorts on why they won't possibly work. And then around the water cooler later in the afternoon, or maybe that Keurig machine if you're so lucky, she is the first to start whispering about how she passed by your boss's office and heard him raise his voice at the new admin agent who she knew should never have been hired in the first place. It's as though no matter what's going on, Nellie is ready to face it with every fiber of negative attitude she can muster up in that tense little body of hers. Only, we're all guilty of this sometimes. I mean, how many times have I myself sat around the dinner table on a Sunday evening groaning about the fact that I have to go to work the next day. I mean, it's not even a work day, and my attitude about it is already in the toilet. Talk about a setup. The problem is not the problem. The problem is your attitude about the problem. Do you understand? That's right. Those wise words came from the unexpected leadership guru, Captain Jack Sparrow, And from Jack Sparrow to an even more commanding man of the sea, I am so excited about the guests that I have with me this morning. Retired U.S. Navy officer, Lieutenant Commander Chip Lutz, is the president and founder of Unconventional Leader, a leadership consulting and training company through which he uses his signature sense of humor to coach individuals, leaders, and teams to success. 
He is adjunct faculty for two universities and has taught over 20 different classes in leadership, management, human resource development, and organizational behavior. Chip is the author of four books, has been published in Security Management Magazine, and has had numerous articles on teamwork and leadership published in Zig Ziglar's weekly newsletter. And today, lucky, lucky me, he's here to talk about how our attitudes can shape our work experience. Chip, welcome to the show. Well, thanks, Maya. I appreciate you having me. You make me sound a lot cooler than I really am, so thanks for that <laughs> awesome intro. <laughs> it's such a pleasure to have you here. So, Chip, oh, I want to start. I only wish that you know, was there in person. Oh, it's true. It's true. And we could really share a a coffee conversation, (laughs) but this is just as good. And I want to start the show, you know, we're talking about attitudes at work and and I don't want to start negatively because I think that we all, we all have a sense of what it means to have a negative attitude at work. But I want to ask you how you would actually define what is a good attitude at work? Um, a good attitude at work is just a, how should I put it, just an, an attitude of joy. That you go to work and, you know, you're happy to be there. I mean, we all have jobs. We all have things that we don't like to do in the, the mundaneness of a day. But, you know, for me, it's, it's enjoying where I'm at and enjoying, you know, who I'm around. Um, I don't always have to enjoy what I do because there are a lot of things that I don't like to do. Like when I was in the Navy, I didn't really enjoy cleaning the well, we, the bathroom, what we call the head. I didn't really enjoy it, but <laughs> I enjoyed the people I worked with, and we had a lot of fun when we did it. We always made a little bit of a you know a game out of it. So to me, it's just more a sense of an enjoyment, not a sense of dread when you walk in the door. And why does that matter? I mean, what 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 good does a good attitude at work do? What does it bring us? Well, one. It, it makes uh, it makes work a little less sucky. You know, that, that's a technical that's a technical term. Sucky is a technical term. I'm going to coin that right now. And that you know things can really suck, but they suck worse when you got a bad attitude. And, and truthfully, attitude dictates performance. That you know, if you've got a you know a, a terrible attitude and you're doing work, you're going to produce a lot less quality work than if you've got a decent attitude. And that's really kind of our choice when we you know walk out the door each day. You know, I like to tell people to start each day a little PMA, a little positive mental attitude that, you know, before you even touch the floor, you get out of bed, start thinking about, all right, you know, what's going right with the day? You know, I got this, I've got that, you know, I've got this going right, I've got that going right. Because you were exactly right is that, you know, as human beings, sometimes we have a propensity to focus in on on the negative. I mean, that's just kind of how we're built. You know, that fight or flight, you know, we're going to stay alive, so we're going to focus on what's going to, what's going to get us next. And, you know, we got to make that choice first, uh, first thing in the morning on, you know, you know, what's really going right? What do I have to look forward to in the day versus, you know, what's, what, you know, what, you know, what's already really crappy about the next day? You know, so, you know, to me, it's, it's, it starts each you know, day with like, you know, like I said, a little PMA, a little positive mental attitude. I, I like that. PMA. That's awesome. Now, you talk about, you know, as human beings, we have a propensity for sort of seeing the negative. And I, and I think that's true. And I, I feel like there's almost a, a culture, and I'll talk at least about here in the West, of it almost fosters a bit of a negative, negative attitude towards work. Like I think about things like TGIF. We're all so excited. Uh, you know, once Wednesday's over, hump day's done. We're closer to the weekend. 
Do you have any thoughts, Chip, about why that is? I mean, what, what are some of the causes of this negative attitude that so many of us have about just going to work and being at work? I don't know. I, I think that people just like to complain a lot. You know, <laughs> sometimes you think about it like this is that, you know, you're talking to somebody, you've got something, you know, bad going on and they want to trump you. They're like, well, that may be bad, but check this out. I've got this. It's, it's almost like a contest <laughs> of the, how, how shitty things are for people. Oh no, really? I, you know, <laughs> I've got you beat, you know, not only did my dog run away, but my wife left me and I ran out of this, you know, you know, it, you know, we, we like to, we like to trump each other about how, how bad things are. Um, I, and you try to think back, you know, and think about it sociologically is like, you know, why within our culture do we celebrate this? You know, you know, you see it on the news that very, very rare. And that's why, you know, your radio show on, you know, focusing on the positivity is awesome because we need a little bit more of that. But, you know, on the news, that's all you see. We love L-O-V-E, like the public floggings, you know, the mass humiliations, the negative. You know, we just – I don't know if it makes us feel better about our lives, <laughs> about our current circumstances or what, but we love that. When uh, – when I, when I was stationed in Washington, D.C., I was in charge of um, a security organization. I, you know, I had three different police precincts I was in charge of and, you know, about 250 people. But my one precinct um, headquarters was right, you know, a block away from me. So I used to go down at lunch, eat with my team. So every time I would go down there and, you know, they'd sit around the table and in the, in the break room, they always had Jerry Springer on. And I was like, why do you guys watch this? Why? And, you know. You know, it was after a couple of days of going down there, they always had it on, and they're like, well, Lieutenant, uh, we see so much crappy stuff out there. This just makes us feel better about our lives. And I was like, <laughs> oh, well, that kind of makes a little bit of sense, you know, that, you know, you might have things pretty bad, but these people on here have it a little bit worse. So, um, you know, sociologically, I don't understand, you know, why we do that, but we, you know, we do celebrate that within our culture. It's it's a it's a weird dynamic. We you know, we, we look at work as going to, uh, going to work as, you know, a chore versus, you know, you know, kind of a, a you know, uh, something that we should, you know, uh, be happy about that we, you know, that we are employed, that we've got, you know, something going on, you know, whether it's a career or just a job, you know, we've got something that maybe somebody else doesn't have and that, you know, we should be happy about that, but we, we don't focus in on the positive about it. You know, I, I, I don't under, I don't understand the underlying theme of that, but, um, but it I- is. It is out there. Yeah, and I think I think you do actually make two really good points that, you know, I, I think there's some truth to when we see negative things happening to others, it sort of reassures us that perhaps our lives are not so bad. I mean, it, it sounds kind of terrible, but I think you're right. And the other thing that you said that was interesting is it, it does sort of serve a, a social purpose almost, you know, negative gossip and people sort of speaking negatively. It's like it's like it's something to talk about and to participate in this social interaction with with peers who are also talking about um, negative things. And then of course it just becomes a bit of a cycle and then it becomes part of our culture and, and it's not so easy to undo. Now, do you think that there are some people though, who are just um, more negative than others? Oh yeah. Oh, absolutely. I categorize uh, people one of two ways. Um, I call them either carriers or converters. And carriers are those kind of people that carry their negativity around like a disease, and they try to infect everybody that's around them. I, I think that you kind of alluded to that uh, in your intro and talking about that one person in the office space. I mean, that, 
you know, sometimes, you know, people just by nature, by their DNA are, are just a little more negative. Um, and, you know, and the other type of people are you know, people that I call, you know, converters where they're able to convert a situation. You know, they might have their days that, you know, they have, you know, a moment when they are, you know, carriers where this is going bad and they have trouble seeing the positive, but they're a little more resilient and they snap back. You know, I always like to say, like, with a carrier, it doesn't make a di- I mean, with a converter, it doesn't make a difference what kind of day they're having. I mean, they, you know, they can see the bright side of what's going on or they can, um, you know, find a little bit of humor in a humorless situation and make other people laugh. They're just the people that uh, are a little more positive and they create a little more positive atmosphere in the workplace. And for me, you know, I've, I've had friends that are carriers, and um, I try to you – know, I, I, I almost build a wall around myself when I go to deal with them. It's not that I, I don't, you know, uh, love them or, you know, like them. It's just that I know that if I'm going to be around them, they're going to try to infect me, and I've got to kind of like gird – I've got to build that wall. Otherwise, you know, they're going to infect me, and I don't, I don't need that. You know, I got – you know, I, I like to, you know, focus on the positive and, you know, find the humor in the situation and have a little bit of fun and – you know, you, you might be on the phone with that person and you get off the phone and all of a sudden, you know, you're just, you don't know why you're angry, but you are, you know, cause, um, and, and you know what, this as well as I do. I mean, you know, emotions are contagious. It's a condition, you know, a situation called emotional contagion where, you know, they pass from person to person, both positive and negative. And that you, you can think about it like this, you know, you're in a great mood. Um, your spouse or significant other comes home. They're in a bad mood. They yell at you. Um, you yell at your kid, the kid kicks the dog, the dog bites the cat, the cat runs away. I mean, that's the, that's the chain of emotions that, you know, happen. And it happens to us every day, especially you go into work. You know, you're, you're in a decent mood. You have that boss that is kind of a, um, let's see, I'm trying to think of a, a technical, good, uh, he's a Richard Cranium. And, you know, you know, he barks orders or he does a smile. And he, you know, all of a sudden your, your good mood is gone. I mean, he's created this negative atmosphere. And we as leaders, you know, need to, you know, think about how we can, you know, instead of doing that, how we can be that converter, how we can be that, you know, convert a situation for people, convert an atmosphere for people. So, you know, they, they might not like their work, but maybe they enjoy the atmosphere. They enjoy, you know, being around the people there and they can find the joy in what might be, you know, the, the normally uh, mundane. I, I love that that separating people into carriers and and converters. And it's funny, you know, as you were talking, I had sort of actual individual faces pop up in my mind as I you know, about people both in my in the workplace and uh, at home who I see in those two sort of categories. And every, we all have those people for sure. But I mean, yeah. why is that a problem? These carriers in the workplace. What is the impact? Uh, you know, you spoke about them sort of infecting the workplace. What is their impact on, say, teams or organizations? Well, they um, they to, from in my experience, and they they impact productivity, they impact morale, they um, they impact creativity because they're the first people to uh, poo-poo on an idea. Um, that's a, another technical term, poo-poo. Um, <laughs> <laughs> well, you know what I'm talking about. I mean, you got this great idea, and you're like, you know, this is really going to work, and they're the first person to, you know, and, and not that as leaders we don't need, you know, people to tell us our ideas are bad because sometimes we have bad ideas, but, you know, they're the person that always are going to tell you that's never going to work. Oh, that's not going to work. Oh, no, that, you know, you don't know what you're talking about. You know, in that, you know, we never, as organizations, evolve. We don't try something new. And so, you know, if we've got, a, you know, somebody in charge that is that negative person that's always, you know, uh, downplaying good ideas, you know, you know it's going to impact the bottom line in the end. 
you know, because, you know, you're, you're not going to, you're not going to move forward. You're going to stay static. And in today's, you know, environment, you know, we can't have that, you know, we need people that um, aren't afraid to take a risk and aren't afraid to make a mistake. And a Boston converter that can find the humor in a mistake is going to help create an atmosphere of risk without fear of reprise that, you know, if, you know, you can laugh at a mistake, then, you know, well, you know, there might be repercussions, but, you know, at least we can find the humor in it. We can move forward. We can find the learning in that situation versus, you know, the negative and the witch hunt. And, oh, they made a mistake. You know, we need to create that atmosphere for people. Um, so for me, you know, like I said, it impacts productivity, creativity, and, you know, in the end, you know, the bottom line, you know, that if you, if you want to move forward, you got to uh, create an atmosphere where people feel safe. And I think that, uh, when you're a boss and you're a converter, people uh, people enjoy that. Yeah, for sure, you're right. And I think um, this idea of creating an atmosphere or a culture where people realize it's okay to risk things and it's okay to try things and it's okay to make mistakes and fail um, is absolutely sort of the ideal that we want to move towards. Now, having said that, I also okay. know from personal experience, it's not always so easy. And sometimes these carriers, these sort of negative Nellies, not only are they this sort of constant force of negativity, but they also sometimes, and perhaps because of this like social aspect of negativity, they can sometimes be people who have a certain weight or power on a team. So I want to ask you, you know, let's, let's sort of have a scenario. You're, you're looking at a new project or there's some sort of organizational change and you have this negative Nelly, this carrier in your team meetings who is just constantly bringing up the reasons why this change isn't going to work or what's wrong with this plan. And it's someone perhaps that others see highly or, or give a certain um, amount of power or have quite a loud voice in a team. As a leader or a manager, what on earth do you do in that situation? Um, for me, I try to get those people involved early. Um, I, in that, you know, if I know that they're the person that's going to, you know, um, talk it down, I get involved, you know, early. Like I told you I was in charge of a security organization, and I was a 30-year-old lieutenant that uh, I had people working for me that were my dad's age. You know, they, you know, so you can imagine that they'd already retired from the military. They had a second career in law enforcement, you know, within the Department of Defense um, here in the United States. And um, any idea that I would have, you know, they would, you know, they would, they would downplay, oh, he's just a young whippersnapper. He doesn't know what he's talking about. And so what I had to learn to do was, you know, involve them early. As far as, you know, uh, like with any idea, sometimes you got to, you have to give it up as your own idea if you really want it to work, that mm -hmm. it's got to become the, it has to become the team's idea. So, you know, uh, you know, I will, you know, I will talk it up, I will lift it up and I will give it up. You know, I'll talk it up. You know, I will start talking about people like, hey, you know, it'd be a great idea. This would happen. So people get desensitized to kind of the change where it just it becomes part of conversation. And then, you know, I'll lift it up as far as I will, um, you know, talk to the, you know, some of the key players that I know that um, might be involved with it. Some of those, uh, some of those uh, uh, carriers It's like, hey, how do you think this would work? You know, get their ideas early on, get their disagreements early on so they will be um, involved in it. So it's like, all right, well, if that's not going to work, what would work? How could we do this? And lastly, I'll give it up as far as like it's no longer my idea, it's the team's idea. So they're going to be a little more invested in, you know, the outcome on how things work. Instead of downplaying it, they'll be like, if it's their idea, they're going to be like, no, no, I had a, I had a say in this. 
this is this is where we're going with this, and it builds momentum. And with any change initiative, and you know this as well as I do, is that you know what we're really going for with the change initiative is you know critical mass. I mean, you as a one one leader, you can push a change, but it's not going to go very far. You know, but if you get critical mass, where you get everybody talking about the idea, you get people on board with the idea. Um, you know, more hands make you know easier work, and you know people are going to move towards it. Critical mass is kind of like a, a snowball going down a hill. We in the north understand that. That um, <laughs> you know, it, it it collects more and more, gets you know, it builds more mass and more momentum, and picks up other things along the way. And you know, by talking it up and getting people involved early on, it helps to build that critical mass earlier. And so those people are going to be less likely to um, poo-poo it, and more and more. Uh, more likely to uh, to help in the the initiative and in getting it going because you involved them. That makes sense. And so if I if I hear you right, it's as though you're saying um, it's worth taking the time at the beginning to get those people involved, even though it does take time for sure. Um, if you sort of barrel in there and try to drop a big proposal oh, or a change, uh, it's not going to work. Well, I mean, because it's like this, like any idea I have personally, I think is manna from heaven. I think it's like the best idea ever. I do. <laughs> you know, your your ideas, I don't think they're as great. You know, I mean, and I don't think that makes me a bad person. I mean, it makes me a human being. We're all kind of built like that. But if I go to you and I share my idea and I get your ideas to build on my idea or tell me how my idea might, you know, work a little bit better, then it begins, it's no longer my idea, it's our idea. And it's been, you know, and then we're working together on it. And so even if I'm a, uh, I'm a converter and you're a carrier, you know, you know, we've worked together on it and you're going to be more invested in getting things done. Now, does it always work? No, it doesn't always work. I mean, the, the only secret to leading people is that it's all about people and that, you know, people are, people are fickle. You know, they're, one day they, you know, they like something, the next day they don't like something. So it's, you know, you, you constantly have to be communicating to your people about how things are going and how things are working, you know, especially with your converters, they take a bunch more time than your, you know, than your converters. Because you go up to converters and say, hey, let's do this. They're like, yeah, let's do that. Rock on, dude. Yeah, all right. <laughs> you know, oh, if that didn't work, oh, well, we'll get it next time. You know, they're just like, yeah, let's do this. You know, with the carrier, they're like, oh, yeah, that didn't work. You're so stupid. You should have come to me first. <laughs> and, you know, so it's uh, – you know, we gotta we have to involve people early on um, to to help them. You know, you know, shift rudder a little bit. I mean, that's what we're you know looking for. I mean, you're you're not gonna change somebody's personality. Who they are is who they are. I mean, but you can uh, involve them early so they're a little more committed to the end result. Yeah, it's, it's kind of essential, right, that people own whatever change you're trying to implement. You know, something as I was listening to you, something came came across my mind. Some, those people. Those carriers, I mean, let's face it, they can be draining, right? They can be really draining. And I think sometimes these points that they bring up about why something couldn't work are genuinely valid. Um, right. But it, it's hard to listen to them or to, or to really sort of give the time to listen to what they're saying because we're just so drained or fed up with their negativity. But that also could be a mistake. Um. As far as like not listening to them, yeah, because yeah. they might have you know, a good I, point. A of, they might have a good point, you know. And that's where you know, like I've had people that I've worked with that are very, very draining. And you know what I will do, you know, I I pull them aside, and usually, you know, I, I'm a firm believer in the reasonable person or reasonable man approach, reasonable person to be politically correct. In that, <laughs> if 
it's it, sometimes as leaders, you know, we 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 hold things in and then we start negating people. Uh, but if we reason have the reasonable person approach, where we have a heart to heart with that person about, hey, you know, this is how I'm feeling about this. You know, I want to know where you're coming from. You're just a one on one to see where they're coming from. Usually, people respond and respect that, you know, because you're respecting them. You know, as far as like, hey. Anytime we bring up an idea, you know, you're, you know, you're bringing this up, and it certainly, it, you know, some of your points are valid. But sometimes I, I'm feeling, you know, when you say this, that, you know, you're attacking, you know, this, you know, personally, and then you can find out where they're coming from. It's like, oh, and the, normally they'll be, like, no, I don't mean it like that at all. It's just, you know, oh, well, what do you mean like that? You know, and they'll, they'll explain that. All right, now we're now we're on the same page. We're on the same page, and you know, you build a different connection because you've respected that person as a person. You know, sometimes people just you know, are crappy because they don't feel valued. And, you know, so they've got to, they've got to, you know, find some way to feel valued. You know, in the end at work, I mean, we all want to feel respected. We all want to feel valued. We all want to feel heard. Um, and sometimes, you know, we need to, you know, step away from the, the round table where everybody sits and, you know, meet with people on an individual basis and find out really where they're coming from. You know, you know, what, you know, you know, I hear you saying this, you know, what do you really feel about this? Cause you know, I'm taking it a different way than you, know, you might be meaning it. And if they really do mean it, then you're just like, all right, well, you're fired. Get the hell out. Got it. <laughs> um, you know, thank you for saying that, because I think this idea of, you know, taking the, the person aside and having like a really honest and human conversation with them as you're describing it, I think, oh, well, yeah, of course, that makes good sense. And yet I think I think often managers and leaders of different kinds we don't do that. I mean, I, I know myself, there have been times when I, I probably should have done that and haven't done it. And I think um, sometimes that can be a bit scary when you're dealing with someone who's so negative and so confrontational that we, we shy away from it, from actually just having the conversation. And then, of course, it just goes on and on and on and nothing changes. Well, yeah, having that conversation, I mean, let's face it. I mean, there are a lot of things we know we should do, but, it, you know, a lot of times as a manager or leader, I mean, you lead a busy life. I mean, you have a lot of stuff going on. And, um, you know, one of my best bosses was, you know, I would meet with him every day. We'd have, a, you know, like a kind of a task list of, like, you know, stuff like we need to do this, this, and this every day. But something he did that was unique is that once a week he would have a one-on-one with me where he'd come out from behind his desk, you know, he had two chairs in there at the little table. He'd sit down, and we would just – we would talk about work, but we would also talk about other stuff. He'd be like, hey, how's the wife? How's the guy? He had four small kids at the time. How's, you know, how's, you know, Christian doing with this, you know? And, and I would have done anything for him because he knew me as a person. He took the time to know me as, you know, not only, you know, and so the daily task, and honestly – his task lists were enormous. I used to think that he would sit at home at night thinking like, oh, what can I ask Chip to do tomorrow that he's never going to get done? <laughs> you, know, I, you know, but I would work twice as hard for him because he took the time to really know me, you know, and know what was going on with me. And not only, you know, personally, you know, but he knew, you know, professionally, you know, I, you know, I felt comfortable enough with him because he knew me personally to share some of the things that, you know, some of the issues I was having, you know, as a leader, as far as like, you know, I've, I'm hitting this barrier here. How do I handle this? I don't know what to do. You know, I'm 30 years old managing people that are 70. You know, what, you know, how do I do this? And, um, you know, he, where a lot of times within our culture, you know, especially when you're in a leadership position, you know, we don't ask for help and we should ask for help. 
you know, and, you know, having that person that, you know, helps us along the way is going to make us more successful. We're going to make our teams more successful, going to make our attitudes better, you know, and, you know, where, you know, we can infect the people around us with our, our attitude as far as things are going better. I mean, it's, it's a win-win for everybody. That's actually great advice in terms of taking the time to build these one-on-one relationships, particularly with these carriers or people with whom it might be a bit more difficult. Um, It brings it back down to a a real human level, and I can imagine that it could change the flavor of that person's attitude. I'm curious, Chip, because I know that you you and and our listeners know now – as well, that uh, you have quite a fantastic sense of humor. And I'm wondering how humor can be useful um, in those attempts by a leader to sort of shift people's attitude towards something a bit more positive or productive. Well, I, like I said, it, it, when you can find the humor in a humorless situation, um, it, it diffuses the tension in an office space or a workplace. It just does. And, you know, we as leaders set the tone, we set the pace. And if our people see us be able to laugh during stressful conditions, um, that especially at our, you know, this is what I advise people when I coach them, is that, you know, you need to laugh first at your own mistakes because you can guarantee your people are going to be laughing at you. And it's better to be laughing with them than, at, <laughs> than having them laugh at you. Seriously. Because, you know, <laughs> and if they see that, that you're brave enough, you're bold enough, you're tough enough to laugh at your own mistakes, you know, it goes back to what I was saying prior that, you know, it, it helps them do the same thing and that, you know, they're not going to be afraid to step outside their comfort zone and try something new because they know that, you know, you, you know, you've made mistakes, laughed at it, and we found the learning in it, then I can do the same thing. And it helps to create a much more relaxed, you know, atmosphere. And you know as well as I do that when people are a little more relaxed, you know, they're going to be a little more creative. They're going to, you know, and, again, they're going to be a little more productive. Um, to me, that, that having that sense of humor helps set a different tone for people. Um, like, and it, I use, it doesn't keep from people from complaining. I mean, people are going to complain. It's just human nature. But, you know, then if you've got that kind of rapport with them, you know, you can, you, you can help them find the humor in, you know, whatever they're complaining about. Um, it, I love doing that. It's, to me, always a lot of fun. Uh, when I was in um, my first command tour in Wichita, Kansas, you know, we used to, you know, we would have a lot of fun uh, there in the office space. And it created a completely different atmosphere for people where you know, the guy prior to me that came in, he was, uh, how should I say, he had a, a stick up, a, up his bum. He was just, he was very rigid. He didn't, you know, but with me, it was just, you know, it was a little more relaxed. And people were more apt because, you know, I could, I could laugh about stuff to come in and talk to me about problems before a problem was a bigger problem. And, you know, because we had that, it, it, having that, you know, the humor between us, the ability to laugh between us helped facilitate a little bit better communication chain where they knew that they were going to get their head bit off if they came in and it's like, hey, we got this big issue here. You know, they knew that I was approachable. I mean, that's another thing that humor helps to do is make leaders a little more approachable um, and because uh, people like to laugh. I mean, you think about the people you like hanging out with. Usually those are the people you smile with, people laugh with. I mean, why can't we as leaders do that? It doesn't mean that you're, you're, you know, your team's best friend because there, you know, there is a line, and there's a fine line we walk as leaders in, you know, being too personable, you know, being, you know, too empathetic, and you know, keeping things, you know, professional. But, you know, humor can help facilitate that as well. You know, on, you know, you you laugh at situations, you don't laugh at people, you don't make fun of people, but 
you know, you can find the humor in those situations and help them find it. And just, you know, it makes things a little bit, uh, makes things a little bit uh, more palatable in a stressful uh, situation. It sure does. And it's, it's funny pun very much in, intended. It's funny how people think of humor as a sort of frivolous thing and, oh yeah, people play pranks in the office or, and, and don't stop to look at, as you say, I mean, I'm just listening to you list off, how useful it can be in terms of creativity, productivity, building relationships, having more open communication, um, breaking tension. Uh, it's such a powerful force if used correctly, of course. Um, yeah. You know, and, and as a leader, it can be a really interesting tool for sure. But, you know, we've talked a lot about um, leaders dealing with these carriers and dealing with negative people and how they can perhaps facilitate that. And I think in some ways, as a leader, we have a little bit of power and control to be able to do that. But as a peer, so someone who's got sort of a peer colleague who is a carrier of this negativity or, God forbid, actually happens to be their office mate uh, and they're stuck in a little office together with someone like that, it can maybe be a bit more difficult do you have any thoughts about what someone can do if they happen to be sort of stuck working with, because they don't have a choice, someone who just tends to be really, really negative? Yeah. Um, my advice would be to separate yourself emotionally from that uh, person. Now, you can deal with that person, but, you know, like I said before, you know, even in your personal life, you have people that are like that. And you've got to kind of like know that they're like that when you go into it and take what they say as, 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 with a grain of salt. And then, you know, hit them back with a little bit of kindness. Um, you know, that goes back to when I was in junior high school. I mean, I had a teacher that absolutely, you know, hated me. Why, I don't know, because I – probably because I was really obnoxious. Um, that's what I'm guessing anyway. But <laughs> – but I went to my mom with it, and I was like, I don't know what to do. And she's like, well, you know, just kill her with kindness. So, you know, whatever came up, she would be negative, and I would just come back with something, you know, I, I'd come back with kindness. You know, like, oh, that's really nice. Or, hey, you look really nice today. Or, oh, hey, I saw, you um, you know, your, your new car. That was really nice. I mean, and then, you know, it, it, you know, and by the end of the year, I was her favorite student. I went from, you know, her absolutely, you know, I thought she had a little voodoo doll that she would stick pins in you know, of me to be her favorite student. And she told me at the end of the year, I'm really going to miss you. And I, I think the same thing rings true in the workplace is that if we know somebody, you know, it, it's, it's an absolute, the sun is going to rise, you're going to die, you're going to pay taxes, and this person is going to be, you know, a, a major league butthead that, you know, if you know that's an absolute, then, you know, go into the situation realizing it, that it's not about you, it's about whatever that person's got, you know, on their mind, and that you've got to protect yourself. And that you can, you know, protect yourself emotionally, separate yourself emotionally from it. You know, think about something positive, think about something funny. You know, have something that, you know, on your desk when you get back, after you deal with that person, like, all right, this is my zen time. I'm going to look at this picture of my daughter with a big smile on my face. All right, I've gotten rid of that negativity. I'm going to move on with my day. And then, you know, if they come with something, just come back at them with something kindness. It's like, oh, man, that's, you know, I hear you, you know, I hear you saying that, you know, if you think about it like this, this is, you know, really kind of a good thing if we look at it like this. You know, don't let them infect you. I mean, and truthfully, that's a choice that we make. You know, like I said, emotions are contagious. However, we can make the choice to not let it affect us. 
that's true. That's true. That's the one thing that we have control over. And as you say, you probably don't have control over whether that person's going to be negative every single day of their lives or not. But we do have control over how we react to it and how much we sort of take it into ourselves, which is not, I mean, I, I don't want to minimize. It's not easy sometimes. No, um, it's not it can be hard to sort of not feel it, but what you're saying in terms of trying to separate yourself perhaps. Um, and I love this idea of trying to kill them with kindness. Your mom is one smart woman, isn't she? She is a smart person. Yeah. Um, and that works really good. And it's not, you know, it was one of those things that has worked my entire life. I mean, if you've got a person that's a converter, I mean, a carrier and you're a converter, I mean, one of the best ways I found to, you know, help them, you know, convert, you know, or get on your side is, you know, you know, share, you know, what I call your, your tithe, you know, share that 10% of yourself that really matters, you know, that, you know, that funny story that it might help, you know, uh, create a more, more positive atmosphere for them. Like, you know, for me, it's always stories about my kids, you know, and they might be like, Oh God, another story about your kid, but secretly they're wanting to hear about what's going on. Cause you know, everybody likes to hear a funny story. And to me, you know, kids are hilarious. I mean, like, you know, my kids, always make me laugh. They always do crazy stuff. And, you know, even with some of those people that worked for me in BC that, you know, were not on my side, you know, if we started talking about, you know, I started talking about kids, even if they were um, a carrier, then the next thing I know, they were sharing the funny story about their kids. And, you know, it helps create a different bond. Um, and they were still miserable people, but, you know, they were a little, they didn't infect me because we, we connected on a different plane. That's that's really neat advice because it also sort of brings us all back down to the humans that we are. We're perhaps even though some are more negative than others, we're we're not that different uh, when it when it comes to uh, what we're interested in and on the personal on the personal level. Um, you know, Chip, we're we're pre-recording this show, and when it airs, it's going to be a Sunday, and I know many people are going to have, uh, as they call it, the Sunday night blues, thinking about their work day the next day and. Perhaps that office mate that they're going to you know, dread seeing and hearing what horrible things happen to them on the weekend. So what can we what can we do to you know, we've talked about how you have to change your attitude going in. But more concretely, let's say there's a listener out there listening to the show and thinking, yeah, yeah, yeah that's great. I get it. I need to change my attitude uh, as I go into the work. But how do they actually do that? That is a good question. Um, how do you do that? Um, for me, and it's I think it's different for other people, and, you know, every you know, people, we all have different things that, you know, bring us joy. You know, I make a choice to, you know, focus in on those things. Like I said, it's starting to stay with a little PMA, a little positive mental attitude. You know, I have things that, you know, I might have, like, bad circumstances, like, say, my finances are bad or, you know, currently, you know, like if you're in, uh, it's a, coming up to the end of the calendar year and the last quarter, you got all this stuff to do and, you know, you know, it's going to be really stressful. You know, you got to make a choice to, you know, think about, all right, this, you know, one, it's temporary. Nothing, nothing lasts forever. One, two, you know, what are the things that I, you know, I can focus in on that are positive, you know, for me, you know, I think about, you know, for my kids or I'll think about funny, you know, something funny or, you know, I'll, uh, I'll watch something funny. I'll keep something funny on my desk. Therefore, you know, here a few years ago, I had, um, uh, when the economy was bad, I had a slump in business. I was start. I found myself getting kind of, um, I would say, uh, having a, more of a carrier attitude. You know, 
I spent each morning, I posted a joke a day for a year on Facebook. First thing I would do in the morning. And, you know, everybody around, you know, on my Facebook friends were like, oh, I love that you do that. It really brightens my day. But they didn't realize I wasn't really doing it for them. I was doing it for me. That I would spend, I would spend 15 to 20 minutes finding it. And jokes had to hit certain parameters. One, I'm a lazy reader. So I didn't want to read a long joke. You know, it had to be, you know, fit within the, uh, the confines of a regular Facebook post so somebody didn't have to click continue and read more. You know, one, it had to make me laugh. And I've got kind of a uh, warped sense of humor. So, you know, it couldn't be super, you know, it had to be like smart humor. You know, like for me, I like wordplay. I like stuff. And so I would spend, I would go through a bunch of different websites and joke books to find the right joke that made me laugh. And that, you know, I would, then I would post it and I'd be like, ah, oh, man, it helped, you know, change helped change my attitude every day because I had that funny thing that I, you know, like I started each day with. And what's kind of cool is because, you know, uh, it, it helped other people convert their situations. And then when I stopped doing it, people were like, hey, when are you going to start posting joke a day again? You know, <laughs> so, you know, that's a strategy. You know, what's the one thing that you can share with other people that's going to be, you know, not only impact you in a positive way, but it's going to impact them in a positive way. And, you know, focus in on that. You know, it's a, it's, a, it's a choice we make each day that, you know, we can focus in on the negative and make ourselves negative and make, our, and make everybody else miserable and ourselves as well, having that kind of attitude, or we can make a choice to do something different. And, you know, Anne Hathaway, um, I read an interview with her, and I, I think it was in Parade Magazine. It must have been eight or nine years ago. Um, but she talked about the relationship she had with her and her, her mother, and that each day, um, you know, regardless of the situation, they choose joy. And I thought how powerful that was that I can choose to, you know, uh, be negative or I can choose joy. And, you know, for me, whether, you know, I'm an underling or I'm a leader, you know, that's how I want to choose to spend each day. I want to choose each day, day to have an attitude of joy that, you know, regardless of the circumstance, I can find the joy in what I'm doing and who I'm around that, you know, I've got something to be joyful about. That's my choice I can make. Um, anyway, that that's how I look at it on, you know, looking at the week ahead, you know, what can I focus in on that's positive? What can I focus in on that I can be joyful about? How can I share that with other people? I like how you have those two elements. First finding, you know, what makes you happy or laugh or feel joyful and then not stopping there, but thinking perhaps about how to share that with others, because I think you're right that that can also be just as contagious as some of this negativity. Um, So, you know, I would certainly laugh if I saw your jokes posted on Facebook and I think it would impact on me as well. Absolutely. I mean, one person, one person can make a difference in a workplace, you know, that you can be, and we all know that one person that they're so positive. Sometimes you want to smack them upside the head. However, (laughs) they make it, they make a difference that, you know, when they're gone, then you're like, oh man, you know, that was a person always bringing the bank, brought in the birthday cake or did this or did that. I mean, they make a difference. And when they're gone, it creates a vacuum of like, where did that person go? We don't have that light anymore. You know, one person, regardless of how taxing it may seem, is that, you know, you can make that difference for the people around you. They might not always vocalize it. They might not always, you know, say it. But deep down in places they don't talk about, they appreciate it. Thank you for saying that, Chip, because I think sometimes people think, oh, my God, there's nothing I can do. I'm, you know, there's so much negativity around me or my, to use your technical term, my job sucks. Um, But you're right. One person can make a difference. Um, And even if you don't realize it in the moment, 
uh, it does happen. And you've given so many great examples of how that can happen. Unfortunately, Chip, we are slowly running out of time, but I'm curious, you know, with I know you're a, a busy, busy man, and I'm curious if there's uh, any interesting projects coming up for you. Interesting projects. I am working currently working on a new book. So, and um, the book um, actually relates back to, like, um, I grew up kind of a fat kid, and uh, I think that everything that I know as a leader, I, I learned as a fat kid. And um, so I'm translating that into, you know, things for, you know, actionable strategies for people to use. Um, I'm calling it uh, Lessons from Beyond the Fridge. So, um, that's, anyway. That's, that's uh, so great. That's, I, I want to read it already. That's so great. Great. It's, it's just uh, a little project I'm working on simply because um, – there are a lot of things I learned about growing up that uh, were um, that served me well in connecting with and being charged with people. You know that uh, whether it's you know from motivational you know motivation strategies or just connection communication strategies that you know the uh, real life lessons that uh, people can use in their everyday life. So whether you grew up a fat kid or a nerd, they're all lessons that uh, you learned as well. So. Uh, Hopefully, I'll have that done in the next um, month and a half, and I can send it off to editing. Super, and I look forward to reading that. And isn't it true that um, all of our life experiences, whether they are positive or negative, as we have spoken today, uh, do teach us things uh, that we can always use in the rest of our lives? And Chip, if someone wanted to learn more about your work or eventually uh, uh, hear more about this book that you're writing, what's the best way for people to do that? They can visit my website, uh, unconventionalleader.com. That's the word unconventional and the word leader, so there's two L's in the middle, unconventionalleader.com. Um, they can sign up for my uh, – go there and sign up for my uh, monthly uh, newsletter. I send out a newsletter with my leadership ideas every month called The Rudder. And um, I have a, when you sign up, you get a free ebook on um, with my leadership tips, 365 leadership tips to help them each day stay a little more positive and connect with the people a little bit better. Um, they can also connect with me on LinkedIn. Or Facebook, Chip Lutz, Twitter, at Chip Lutz, Instagram, Chip.Lutz. Um, pretty much I own Chip Lutz. Now, there is a golfer, there is a golfer named Chip Lutz. Um, he's uh, on the senior tour, but it took me forever to knock him off the first page of the Google rankings. So now when you Google Chip Lutz, I am the first person that comes up, and he's like third or fourth. So, Yeah. That's, uh, That's actually very Chip. cool. Good for you. <laughs> Listen, Chip, I want to thank you so much for taking the time uh, this morning to talk to us about how our own attitudes, and as you said so well, the attitudes that we choose to have because it is our choice, how that can shape our experience of work and how we feel about work and the experience that we then translate to others at work. Um, as you said, one person can make a difference, and you have certainly made a difference uh, for all the listeners out there this morning. So I want to thank you so very much. Well, thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Like I said before, I mean, you can't change or, you know, control anybody else, but you can't control yourself, and you can choose your own attitude. So I appreciate you spending a little time with me today and uh, being a uh, pliable with your schedule so we could do this uh, not on Sunday. <laughs> Perfect. Listen, Chip, you have a great rest of the day. You take care. You too. Thanks so much. Bye. 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 That was Chip Lutz. Yes, sir. 
And from attitudes to values, next week we have attorney Deborah Norwood joining us to talk about integrity at work. Don't forget, listeners, all episodes of Morning Moments can be heard and downloaded. They are available on iTunes, Stitcher, and CastBox as a podcast for your listening pleasure at any, uh, any schedule that you might have. Until next week, well, maybe Thanksgiving doesn't have to be just once a year. Let's put aside those Sunday night blues and ask ourselves what cool opportunities might await us in the morning. I, for one, am going to be checking my attitude at the office door. I invite you to join me. This is Maya, and I am out. Day morning, still got my day job, but I feel so free.